Welcome to Compliance Solved, brought to you by Healthcare Compliance Pros. We've got you covered from coast to coast, bringing you the very latest in healthcare compliance with our experts, Chad Schiffman and Loretta Maddox. Now, in today's podcast, what we're going to do is I, Chad Schiffman, will answer questions from a remote worker's perspective. We're going to have Brian Roberts, our Director of Operations. He will be answering from an employer's perspective. And what's also exciting is we're going to have Loretta Maddox, who's going to talk to us today about almost a hybrid, what it's like to be a healthcare professional working in the office and working on the road, as she's done that for several years. Uh, Loretta, Brian, are you happy for today's call? Oh, we're super excited. I'm super excited. Brian, are you? I'm glad to be on the call. Thanks, Loretta and Chad. Fantastic. Well, just we want to help those that are listening deal with this topic now because we know that remote work has shifted quite a bit over the last several months. So we thought it would be timely to really talk about this since our company has basically worked remote the entire time. So um, Brian, to just kind of get us started with this, I thought it would be good to talk about some of the benefits to having a remote workforce. Can you give us some insight to that? Yeah. And I'll before I begin that, I do know for healthcare compliance pros, um, definitely we would be couched in the business associate role of uh, the healthcare industry. So we're not seeing and interacting with patients uh, directly on a daily basis. Uh, so definitely the concept of uh, remote have, having a remote workforce is one thing to take into consideration is um, where you're where you're coming from with regard to uh, your uh, organization inside healthcare. Obviously, needing to have patients come and, and work directly with you would require employees to be uh, to to be on site. But with the advent of the pandemic that has hit this year, uh, pretty much all healthcare organizations, all all employers for that matter, really went to a virtual environment. Um, at least for a period of time. And uh, this has really prompted, you know, thinking outside of the box and and what do you do uh, in the healthcare industry, not only to take care of the patient, but to continue to manage your, your own employees, your own workforce, um, and to prepare for the future to say, uh, maybe what, what are some lessons learned that we've seen uh, Come as we as we come out of this pandemic and and start to have employees come back to the uh, physical workspace rather than the virtual workspace, and maybe do we have them continue to stay uh, virtual in some instances? But for for our organization, one thing that was unique for us when uh, COVID nineteen hit, um, as far as uh, needing to realign our, our employees and our workforce was we were completely virtual to begin with. So in that regard, we were very well prepared, 10 years prepared for COVID with our remote workforce. <laughs> um, now, having that insight, I think as we've uh, been assisting our clients with, with questions and helping them write policies and how to handle things maybe from an HR perspective, um, with virtual employees, we, we kind of felt that we were an adva- at an advantage. I would say one big benefit um, that maybe uh, our listeners have, if they weren't having a, a remote workforce to begin with and now have and have been uh, receiving some surveys or feedback or input from their employees is cost savings. Uh, it's e- even in the short period of time, I remember we had one employee who had uh, come on to work for us and been in a traditional work environment for several decades prior to coming to us and was really concerned about working from home. Um, but as, as he transitioned into this position, one thing that he said that he was doing was he was tracking his monthly costs and things as, things as far as uh, the transportation, your, you know, the wear tear on your car, the, the gas and everything, um, eating out, having, you know, lunches, um, 
even his wardrobe. He, he tallied all of this up. And after he had worked uh, for about a year, he said that transitioning to that virtual environment on average saved him about $300 a month. So that was a cost savings for the employee that they had started to see uh, a big difference, uh, not, not in their paycheck, but in their own personal finance. From the employer's side, there's a cost savings as well. Now that cost savings, if you've only, if you've only been doing it for just a matter of months, you might not have experienced that. In fact, you might've felt that there was an expense because you had to invest in technology and figure out um, how to manage employees a different way. But over time, the employers can see those cost savings as well, um, depending on how you're structured and organized. I know one, one employer in particular was prepared to purchase a, a brand new facility to bring on hundreds of more employees. And COVID had them reevaluate that because those employees primarily were going to be doing and providing customer service um, and interaction with patients and, and physicians from a, uh, a phone. Uh, and so because of that, they invested in technology and now have those employees working from home and have chosen not to purchase that facility, which was millions of dollars. Wow. So there can be a cost savings on both ends. And that's definitely one benefit that can come from a remote workforce. Well, I can tell you that I, I totally see that just coming from, and, and like Chad mentioned, I'm kind of a, the hybrid now completely virtual or remote, but coming from a, an environment where I was, you know, having to dress professionally, I was driving to work every day. I did have to meet face-to-face with clients. I am saving a ton on dry cleaning. I, and on just purchasing new items. I mean, and it has, that is a, it's a big difference. It really is. And I mean, I I don't know, Chad, do you have any comments on that as well? I agree with all of that. And then some, you know, one of my biggest benefits is being in the car and sitting in that bumper to bumper type traffic. I mean, I haven't had to experience that. That's been one of the greatest benefits for me. Nothing worse than sitting in bumper bumper traffic wondering if someone's going to move out of your way or not. So for me, that's been an advantage that I've really enjoyed, not to mention, you know, being a guy, we don't have to shave every day because we get to work from home sometimes. Okay. All right. If I have to be on a face-to-face call or something like that, for sure, I'll go ahead and shave. But you know, all those, those little perks and benefits from working from home, the cost savings, the, you know, the less stress in many ways. Now, some people would argue that, but in my opinion, it's been less stress working from home. Well, in time also, I mean, how much time are we saving in that commute? Like you were talking about, I mean, that's time that we can, when we are done at the end of the day, we leave our office and walk into the living room, you know? So there, there is that aspect as well that I think is a huge benefit from an employee's standpoint. And Loretta, you bring up time, you, you know, that's another really big area that we've seen over the past decade as a benefit, not just in the fact that, yes, the employee might be saving 30 minutes an hour, sometimes two hours in, in uh, just traffic uh, one way. So they've got to go to work and then home. Exactly. But, but also there have been studies done where they have evaluated uh, the, the typical eight-hour workday and, and uh, gathered survey information from employers to see how effective those eight hours were. And they're starting to compare those against uh, remote workers. And what they're finding is that generally, historically, you know, they say you, you really get, and it was shocking when I read, read some of this information, on average, you get about 50% of productive work out of an eight-hour workday. And they are starting to see that a lot of this productivity is driven by some of the things you just mentioned, stress on the employee, um, attitude, uh, their work environment. And so some, some of the big tech companies, uh, I won't mention, mention them, but some of them have come and they've, they've kind of flipped everything on its head and how they are putting the employee first and valuing their time and even restructuring 
you know, whether it should be a 40 hour work week, because they know that typically they're going to get this much productivity out of the employee. And so maybe they're going to compensate them a different way so that they get the most productive hours out of that time they give them. We'll put this in a remote workforce perspective. You're going to start the day off with uh, an employee who literally has to, quote, drive to their desk uh, <laughs> in a matter of seconds. <laughs> right. And as Chad mentioned, maybe unshaven or still in their pajamas. It depends on the role. Sometimes you need to be on a Zoom conference and you need to be professional with, uh, uh, with how you interact and how you present yourself. But for the most part, the comfort level of that employee is going to immediately be driven to uh, their satisfaction, which then they're starting to see correlations with productivity. And so this, I, I think we're going to see a lot come out of not just the COVID environment, but with technology, um, what employers can start to do and how they can start to provide value and incentives from perspectives other than just compensation to make their employees satisfied by offering things like remote work. Right. So you, you know, you mentioned the the time aspect and employees that are able to, you know, just in seconds be at their desk. So that kind of leads me to my next question that I, I, I want you to elaborate on is, you know, are there disadvantages to the time aspect also? Do you, have you found over the history of HCP that sometimes employees have a hard time disengaging from work because they are, I mean, their office is at home. So, and, and Chad, you may talk about this a little bit too, and, and I can certainly give my opinion, but I think when you are in this environment where your office is in your home, can you turn it off? Where when you're at the office, office, you leave. And so I wonder if you can, Brian, do you have any insight on that? Well, you know, we never have that problem, right, Chad? <laughs> um, you you know, it is a disadvantage sometimes, Loretta, and and I it I, I teeter back and forth on this because it really comes down to how you're showing that value in the employee and and how you're and and sometimes how the employee wants to reciprocate and then show that value to the employer. If if something you know, maybe maybe the employee's tasked with a specific project mm -hmm. and they're working, you know, I'll just say their typical nine to five shift and they're trying to get that accomplished and they're at home. Things just aren't coming together with what they want. They get, you know, five o'clock, they, they, they check out and they're done. And then I would give an extreme example, you know, they're about ready to go to bed and that epiphany hits, aha, I've solved it, right? I know what I want right. to do. They get, you know, they can immediately go to their computer, start typing and working on that project, shoot an email to their manager. <laughs> and I've, and I have seen those, I have seen right. those emails, you know, those midnight emails pop up. And, and so there's the excitement and, and the satisfaction of being able to say, Hey, I, I solved it. And even though I couldn't solve it um, during my you right. know, traditional work time, however, it, it can really be a disadvantage because, like you said, you're in a you're in an environment where you're not used to taking 15 minute breaks. You're not used to taking 30 minute or hour lunches, depending on how things are structured. When you're when you're at home, it's uh, some people might be structured, but I can tell you in our household, we're not. Sometimes, you know, we're like, okay, dinner's going to be at eight o'clock. It's nine o'clock tonight. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you, you know, so because of that, um, we have seen over time with our own employees that we've had to prompt and nudge and go, have you taken a break today? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I missed lunch. Yeah. You, you know, so it, it, there is that uh, discipline that needs to be there, but I would say that's definitely, it's hard to call it a disadvantage, but I think um, I'd like to hear from Chad and see what he has to say on this coming from his perspective. Well, I think you're right. Sometimes you do have that epiphany and you're like, oh, I got it. I got this great answer. I can get it out right now. I know what I need to do. Or 
hey, I've got this article idea. Some, in fact, some of my best articles have happened late at night. It's like, oh, hey, look, I remembered what I wanted to say. Here's how it flows, you know? Right. That writer's block goes away, if you will. So, um, so I, you know, I don't see it as a disadvantage for me personally. Now I know some may, but for me, I figure, okay, I'm working from home. I have a, you know, I, I do have enough to keep me entertained throughout the day, but we still have our opportunities to get up and, and fill our water, grab a cup of coffee or whatever we do during the day um, to make our lunch and those types of things. So for me, it also comes with part of the, like you talked about a little bit. It's that reciprocated because I feel like I have a, an obligation and a responsibility with my role to make sure certain things get handled. And if that idea hits, then I'm going to go ahead and do that. Now you're right. Sometimes it's, do I need to go ahead and take the moment and unplug and kind of step away? There are times I do that. Like if I go to the gym at night, I try not to answer things while at the gym, for example. So those types of things I try to do, but Overall, I think we do a pretty good job about keeping to our, you know, our normal work week as far as total hours go over, sure. But we stay within a reasonable range. And so I see it kind of like you said, it's kind of hard to really say it's a something that would be a negative. I do see more positives coming from that. But that's just my two cents. So I think I think it can have both. I think, um, and here's the whole hybrid role that I, I can talk about for a second. I think I can see it being positive. And I am one of those that will answer an email at midnight if I'm up or if I have a thought. And so I, but I'm also, if it's noon and I can throw a load of laundry in the washer, I can do that too. So I think there is that aspect of it that is a huge advantage from an employee standpoint to know that as long as I'm getting um, my projects completed, my work done, that there is that flexibility. So that part I think is a huge advantage. And I think it's an advantage on the employer and the employee side. I, I guess my thought from a disadvantage side would be burnout. And because I think, I think sometimes when you're in that environment where you can't disconnect, I think it can cause some, some issues for, for just not, not being able to stop, you know, at, after a period of time. So Brian, when you, you know, said that we've had before to reach out to an employee and say, Hey, have you had a break today? Have you, you know, maybe you should take, Friday afternoon off because you've been killing it all week. I think those are important things for employers to keep an eye on and recognize. And, and so that that's kind of why I brought that up because I think it can be huge benefit for employee and employer to be able to have the flexibility to work kind of at any time, depending on what you're doing, but then also to monitor that. So someone's not at risk of burnout. Yeah, and really the burnout also, the, that concept to me again comes back to how, at least from an employer's perspective, how you're placing value on your uh, your team members, your employees, your staff. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're if you're truly just looking at them as a number and what they can accomplish for you, and how, you know if they're if they're working from home, how many calls they're taking or how many patients maybe they're virtually interacting with or how many medical records or claims they're, they're, they're completing, mm-hmm. you will definitely get that burnout factor. And so it doesn't matter what, you know, whether you're on the covered entity side, the business associate side, the, wherever you're at in the healthcare industry, if you're choosing to move into remote, uh, having more of a remote workforce, uh, you do need to, your management team really needs to clearly identify how you continue, can continue to engage socially. Um, I, I strongly believe that as humans, we're social creatures. We need interaction. Um, some people are antisocial and they love working remotely from home. Right, right. But even, even they will get that burnout factor if they tr- just look at their job as clock in, do these 20 tasks and clock out. You're not in the, and some of this comes back to my comment I made earlier about productivity on a typical eight hour workday. So if you can come up with what works for your organization, because everybody's different, um, you're going to have 
better success and and more motivation from your remote workforce. I'll tell you one thing we've done is we we were missing that social engagement and missing kind of that uh, downtime. And as strange as this sounds, we we implemented and said, you know, we we need everyone to stop working. <laughs> and and so we created what we called a virtual water cooler meeting every week. And it was at the end of the week for, and it was optional. You didn't have to attend, but we really try, tried to dedicate time and say, you know, over these next 30 minutes, please log in. Um, we were using a uh, online communication tool for people to just join via audio. Um, it gave people to interact, give, gave them time to interact, talk about their families, talk about newborn babies, talk about crazy weather that's happening um, in their area. And what we started to find was productivity went up after that, not down. Right. And, and so giving them that almost a chain of change of scenery where they could just let their hair down um, became actually became very, very positive for us. So I think from a productivity standpoint, I, I agree. I think, I think you need that interaction. I'm, I know personally for me, I am a people person. So having the ability, even though I'm not able to be face to face with my coworkers, I want to know them. And so I think giving staff employees the opportunity to have those communication tools to allow them to chat or video conference or have a water cooler meeting. I think those things are huge to not only to give employees an outlet, but also for team collaboration, which kind of takes us in, you know, into that next topic of a concern that I think some, some organizations have with remote workers is how are we going to continue to collaborate as a team? So Brian, can you speak to that a little bit? You know, whether you're in a virtual environment or if you're in a typical brick and mortar uh, building, you're going to struggle with that if you if you don't address it um, at a top management level of how how to effectively collaborate, how to effectively communicate. Um, you do need to just continue doing the basics in my mind, um, having those meetings, addressing those concerns, identifying those concerns. Um, which sometimes can come through simple questionnaires or surveys from your employees about what their likes or dislikes are um, working from home, um, what they're struggling with, what they're excelling at better than when they were working um, maybe back in your office. Taking that information, identifying it, and then starting to come up with those solutions. Uh, Case in point for us, one thing that we started to see that um, was a uh, something that we were struggling with was recognition. You know, if you can't see a person, it's it's hard to recognize them for something that maybe they're doing well at. And we started to use again an online chat tool to have the whole entire company um, assigned to a specific group. And when a customer compliment. Uh, came through where a client maybe said, hey, this employee, you know, really helped me and solved our problems. Uh, we just wanted to let you know. And, and man, they just made it so simple for us or, you know, whatever it is. We made a concerted effort to post that so that not only that employee could see it, everyone else could see it. Right. Um, that, that little small things like that um, started to help us uh, with collaboration well, I know that was just a recognition standpoint, but also scheduling those times. I think um, technology, when we started 10 years ago, it was a little bit more difficult. Most of most of our com- everyone that had come in, come from our uh, starting starting our company had come from typical working in an office space, so it was different. Um, and we actually would reserve office space, uh, meeting co- conference rooms. Um, you could use hotels, you could use maybe uh, uh, if you have uh, attorneys uh, that you're 
have general counsel with. Uh, many times they have conference rooms that you can you can book and, and reserve and use. So we would do things like that. Sometimes we would meet in one specific manager's home if we all lived close enough uh, to have that face-to-face -face because we were still not used to it virtually and we needed to collaborate that way. But over time, I think the past 10 years has started to show us uh, this new trend. Um, the, the big thing that's on my right now is this anti-social trend <laughs> um, because of technology, things like Zoom, where you don't need to be physically with someone, and yet you can physically be with them because technology um, bandwidth and the internet speed has, allows you now to hold those video conferences um, or take advantage of a very, very interactive uh, communication tool, things like Slack, uh, Google Hangouts. Uh, all, all of those things are available now for us to be interacting real time, just as if we were in the office. Right. Oh, for sure. I, I think one of the things that I'd like, you know, with these collaboration projects is any opportunity for us to communicate, um, have that open door communication with all of our employees, for example, is huge because we, we love hearing from them and, and knowing what challenges they're facing and how we can help. A lot of that's still the same as if it were in a, in a brick and mortar uh, location. And actually, we have to handle a lot of that virtually, and, and a lot of those conversations happen that way. But it does still make it nice and make it still feel a little bit personable, even though we're not getting that face-to-face -face interaction per se. Um, but it does also make it nice, too, when we do get to see them in person, like when we get together at different times throughout the year. And then it's like, oh, wow, we haven't seen them forever, and now here they are. Or we've only seen them virtually, and tell us a little bit more about how things have been going for you now that we're in person, it's kind of nice, I think. But I think overall, though, one thing that I would like to say is our, our organization as a whole has learned really quickly the importance of that communication and, and keeping it open, similar to you would in a brick and mortar location. Yeah, and I'll just let me just add one more thing to that too. Um, so many, many times, I remember when I was practicing law and I was in a in a law firm. Um, if I had a question, I could walk into a shareholder, you know, as a junior associate, I remember when I first came out of law school, I could walk into a shareholder's office if it was a, you know, if it was a legal question with regard to criminal law, I could go over to the criminal law shareholder, right? A trust and estates question, I go to the trust and estates shareholder. I'd, I, I would go to individuals and just say, ask my question, possibly get an answer back, maybe get some feedback and research this, and go about my business. That's how I was used to collaborating. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are. Today, you can now collaborate in a myriad of ways due to the advents of technology where um, you can set up a user group. Um, you can set up, you know, so rather than being allowed only to ask that one individual, whether it's in your organization or maybe a network, you know, maybe it's outside of your organization where you can say, hey, let's all participate and be part of this user group, managers um, in being involved with other managers, you now get more than just one person's perspective. And you're going to be armed with, or you're probably going to come up with a better answer to that question. So whether you're doing it internally with a group of managers or a, a specific department, um, you know, you can set up that group, user group through your intranet or your network or whatever uh, piece of software or app you're using. You can do that internally, or you can probably even take it externally and through your local associations that you participate in. Obviously, you, you know, listservs, you always can kind of put a question out there and get everyone's feedback and input. But I'm talking more intimately, smaller groups that maybe you're participating in. So I would say that that type of collaboration um, definitely suits more of this virtual environment versus the traditional. I think there's a comfort level though there too for certain employees where they might not have been as comfortable in person to offer their experience, their their opinions or ideas. I yeah. think we've gotten a lot more ideas from people just being this remote way where people have really stepped up to the plate, made some huge contrib contributions over time. Yeah, there is that intimidation factor. I remember again, coming back to my law firm days, 
you know, I want to go and ask him this question, but is, is he or she going to think, well, why did we hire this person? Is he incompetent? Or, you know, it, you know, just that intimidation factor of walking into the corner office suite, the top shareholder, and he's got all of his plaques and book, <laughs> right. you know, and you're just like sweating as you're going in. And, but now it's like, oh, well, I can hide behind the comfort of my keyboard. And, you know, I'd ask the I'd ask the seat. Heck, you can ask the president of the United States questions, right? If you follow his Twitter feed. So um, <laughs> you can kind of, you, you can really, I think Eric, or excuse me, I'm, I think Chad is right. There is a, uh, uh, what's a, there's courage. There's courage that people have where maybe they wouldn't have had it before if it was face-to-face. No, I think that is an excellent point. And it kind of takes me to my next the next topic that I want to cover, which is people are different and people communicate differently. And just like the two of you have talked about how someone might have more courage to communicate in a virtual environment differently than someone else who needs that interaction face-to-face, I think it also can impact hiring for a remote position or not just hiring for a remote position, but also keeping employees that may need a remote position and also on on the downside maybe a remote position isn't for everyone because i think th- i think there are those varying levels so um from just a in recruitment and retention standpoint and also a transition standpoint into a remote environment Brian, do you want to talk a little bit about how you have seen those things impact HCP over the last few years? Yeah, you know, hiring is definitely, uh, if, if we were having this conversation 10 years ago, wow, number one biggest challenge. Um, I, we, would, we would hold interviews with individuals and we'd get all excited and we were literally hiding the fact, even though the placement, you know, the job description talked about, you know, work from home. Um, We were hiding that in the conversation because it's going so well. And then you have to go, okay, now have you ever worked from home and how comfortable do you feel about that? And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, yeah, just, I don't know. I don't, I I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that or I've never done it. It was always the hardest part. Um, and, And it really got to the point where we had to start screening individuals where that was the first question because there's no point, right? In having right. multiple interviews or hours of uh, time disc, uh, interviewing or uh, reviewing applications where they just have no interest working from home. Fast forward to today, um, totally different story. I think there's a, a lot more comfort. There's the many, I see it a lot in government, many government governmental institutions from a purely budget budgetary standpoint are now saying, uh, have you know hybrid system teleworkers uh, you know two days on three days off you know whatever um, where I think it's more uh, expected uh, and I think there's also a larger workforce that's come up through these uh, new generations and by new generations I don't just mean young I mean generations who have now experienced the 21st century yeah. uh, technology and um uh, maybe they've they've been exposed to working from home a little bit. So I, I would say that it was a challenge definitely a decade ago. Today, it's definitely something that still needs to be discussed. And, and for those employers who are looking to uh, hire more remote workers, I would still, that that's the best advice I would tell you is have that discussion early. Um, be very clear about it. Be clear about expectations. Be clear about your software. You know, we, we didn't use technology like keystroke uh, monitoring when we first started, but we definitely do today as we've grown. And, and we want, we want people to understand why that it's not, we're trying to get you in trouble, but you know, this, this helps us overall with productivity and helping you excel in your position. Um, I would also say that from a hiring standpoint, I, I could have a whole podcast just on this topic alone, but it, it does two more key benefits. And one I'm going to let Chad speak to um, because it, it definitely affected him directly. But the first is it widens your pool of talent. Right. Depending on your specific situation, 
um, you, you could hire outside of your city, outside of your state, outside of the country, depending on what you're hiring for. And now you are comparing truly the best candidate for the job. Second, it helps you retain mm -hmm. talent. Right. And I'm going to let Chad speak to that. So retain talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I, and I think it also kind of in Loretta could possibly even speak to that first one. I mean, as most of it, most people know that listen to us, Loretta is located in California and I, I actually transitioned. I, I moved from our home base and moved to Florida. So we like to say we've got you covered coast to coast when it comes to compliance questions. Right. Um, and, and we really do. But so I would say that that did definitely help because we wanted to be in Florida and our organization was willing to accommodate us. And, and we're still grateful for that to this day. Sure, we have our challenges living in Florida and sometimes it's a challenge to get to some of the face-to-face -face things that happen. Uh, for example, we weren't able to attend the summer a party that we traditionally have, not really because we're in Florida, but COVID-19 happening and, and the travel considerations and that kind of thing is really what kind of impacted that. But overall, we've been able to attend most functions and get to places. And, and in many ways, it's kind of worked out for the company as well with us being in Florida, just for sheer location and getting to different sites, for example. So that, that's been one advantage. Uh, and, you know, it's been great being able to know that Loretta's got a lot of people covered in the Pacific time zone. She can get on and, oh, hey, I've got you covered because I'm in Pacific. She's here a little bit longer than I am. And I might cover some of the early risers because of where I'm located in Florida. So, but as far as from an employee perspective, yes, I mean, having the opportunity to work in out of another state and still feel connected to the home state because of technology uh, has been truly amazing. And then also, like I mentioned earlier, just, just a few minutes ago was the communication factor. I think that's what keeps it to where it, it seems like we're still somewhat close to one another, mm -hmm. even though we're socially distant across the country. We are way socially distanced. <laughs> we really are. But, and, and I will speak to the, the point that Brian made earlier. I, had a position that I, but in another state, and I knew I was going to have to relocate. And I was at that point, I was not able to continue to work for that company because I needed to relocate. But HCP, because they are virtual and because it, I don't have to be in the, in, in Utah, I was able to be an applicant for a position that they had available and it didn't matter where I, where I was going to reside. So I think that is, you know, a definite plus for the, as Brian mentioned, just the employment pool to look at the people that are available and the talent that is out there, not only from new hires, but also with Chad, I mean, retention, so it's, it's recruitment and retention. And, and I do think, I do want to make a point though, for, because we are unique, we've been virtual and again, we're not patient facing, so we're not delivering care. But for those of you who are listening that have deployed your in-office people to a remote environment, understand that that may not work for everyone. And that's okay. If, if you have employees that maybe it doesn't work for them to be remote, it's okay to bring them back to the office because you, you still have an office, you're still gonna be seeing patients. And so just understand that that is something that you do need to monitor and you do need to continue to communicate with those employees. But, and, and Brian, you might be able to speak to this briefly, is that it may not be for everyone. No, it really, it really might not. And we definitely had those uh, stories of amazing individuals, great talent. And at the end of the day, they really, truly missed that social engagement or traditional work environment. Um, I will speak to the, uh, the healthcare industry with this regard. I know we've kind of primarily focused on, hey, how this, how this has been for healthcare compliance pros. Due to COVID, I, you know, the, the, the healthcare industry was kind of forced into at least taking a, a stronger, more serious look at um, 
remote work. Uh, telemedicine. I want to talk briefly about telemedicine. That that has been out there for years. Um, we're now starting to see healthcare organizations, some of our clients, providers, really taking that more seriously than they ever have. Right. And I think you're really going to see in a very, very short future, um, just a, a massive uh, increase in utilize, utilization of, of that, if anything, purely for the fact that we're still in this pandemic. Right. Um, how, does, how does a patient in a uh, long-term care facility go to their doctor right now when they're not, they shouldn't even be leaving? You know, you know that they're supposed to be social distancing. They're supposed to not that we're trying to confine them or imprison them there, but if they're at high risk, I hate to say it, but the worst place for them to be right now is a hospital, right. um, unless there's a need, right? So, taking advantage of that technology where that physician can continue to um, care, provide that care virtually through technology to that individual. Um, is going to be key. And you know what I really think, um, I, I read a couple articles on this and I really think in some ways this is going to improve care uh, to this degree. It's gonna be more about communication and the relationship. Yes, they're still keying everything into the EMR and they're documenting everything to make sure they track every single dollar they can for that visit, but virtually, um, a lot of the providers that I've seen that are very pro telemedicine, um, I have a, a, a good friend who's a pain care specialist. And to him, he's like, it's all about that relationship. And the biggest number one gripe you hear from patients nowadays with their physicians is they like, I feel like I'm just in and out of there before. I don't, one time, I don't think the physician even looked up at me. He was too busy keying yeah. everything into the computer. You can't do that in a telemedicine environment. <laughs> and you have to look at the patient because you're like, you know, I, I had an experience where my son, he had a terrible rash that was just growing pretty, pretty rapidly. Um, we took advantage of telemedicine um, and it was a great experience. And the physician could immediately see what was going on. Great interaction with us and my and making my son feel very comfortable my minor son was actually more comfortable, right? Because he's in home. He's not in a hospital where he's thinking, I'm going to get a shot or what are they going to do to me? And so it was a really positive experience. I think you're going to start seeing that more with telemedicine. And it's kind of been forced to, I, I, you know, to the extent that you feel that it's been forced on providers due to COVID. No, I agree. And I, I think that really takes us into our final topic, which is what does the future look like for remote workers? And I think just like you said, Brian, I mean, telemedicine, telehealth, that that's not going to go away. I don't know from, from my personal aspect of it, I don't know that remote workers in any industry if it is making sense for that industry, for those individuals to be working remotely, even if they weren't prior to the COVID-19 public health emergency, if it makes sense and it's working, how can you reasonably just bring those people back to an office if, if it's working? So I think this remote workers are here to stay. So I think it's just a matter of figuring out how to manage them in the best way possible for the employer and the employee. So um, with that, Brian, do you want to, Brian and Chad both, do you want to give us some final comments on your thoughts on the future? Chad, I'll let you go first. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> Get so, your crystal ball out. I want to hear what's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> well, my... You know, I believe it is here to stay, at least to a certain extent. I mean, all the feedback that we're hearing from employers, that we're hearing from healthcare organizations, that we're hearing from uh, employees who have questions about what they need to have in place in, in their own home office for whether it be HIPAA compliance or, or what have you, all those types of comments and considerations that we're hearing and the satisfaction of it all, I just think it's going to be here to stay, at least to a certain extent. I wouldn't say that it's going to be as prevalent as it was when COVID first started, assuming 
we have a downturn in cases and that type of thing. And obviously depending on how flu season goes about this next year. Um, but overall, I, I think the future is bright for remote work. I just think for employers, what they just need to consider is what types of safeguards they have in place when it comes to their employees. Just make sure that they feel confident that their employee has a good solid place to work from at home, has that agreement signed, um, isn't going to be too distracted um, and gonna still be able to be productive, but still have time to take their breaks and do those types of things. So, and then from an employee's perspective, if it works for you and your employer offers it, have at it and just be sure to make, keep that communication with your employer because as employers, it's something that I think they value. And I think it also just helps keep, you know, in that communication piece that I just think is so critical. So I think as long as those types of things are in place, we'll continue to see remote work being an excellent opportunity going forward. Yeah. And, and I think also, you know, so if you're saying, you know, so what is the future going to bring us? Well, the immediate future is we still live uh, in this world where there's a pandemic um, with, with no vaccine. And even when there is that vaccine, there is still going to be a large, large percentage of, of the population who still feels concerned and worried to continue to uh, socially engage and, and want to still follow the social distance measures and, and so on. So if you're experiencing that as an employer, um, you're going to have to address that. Uh, so, and you're going to have to choose what role remote uh, a remote workforce will will be in your organization. I I'm of the mindset that you're either moving or you're dying. If you're staying still, um, it's hard to retain that. And from a business perspective, um, and COVID nineteen for some of our uh, listeners could be the best thing that ever happened to your organization because it's a wake-up call. And whether it's a wake-up call um, to address, um, you know, your uh, emergency preparedness, right? Everything you've heard Chad and Loretta talking about for the past decade, um, <laughs> putting that into play, um, not to get too much onto the compliance aspect of this, or really to say, how can we... Sure piggyback off of what's happening now and use rem a remote workforce to be more competitive in our own industry, um, whether it's through uh, additional resources or pushing telehealth and telemedicine to your, to your patient population stronger, um, whether it's incentivizing, and by the word incentivizing, I mean incentivizing your workforce to say, we value you and we also value your time. And so we want to see who, you, you know, there, you might have workforce that's super excited to work from home and where appropriate they can. Um, you, you, you're seeing it with a lot of the, uh, the technology giants out there of how they're going to want to continue to help us in the healthcare sector. But I would say for the future, this, this could be a game changer for many of our clients if they want to uh, move effectively on it, on how they're going to market themselves, um, how they're going to compete for the best workforce. Because again, if you're virtual and even with providers, hey, we can get the best oncologist for this specific type of cancer and have them on retainer and bring them in on a virtual Zoom call uh, that's HIPAA compliant, right, Chad? Um, that we have secure a secure link on with this individual who is already at high risk and we don't want to bring them into the office just for a consultation. And, and, so, and so you're going, I think healthcare organizations, if they look at this the right way, they could really start to position themselves to say, this is why you want to choose us for your healthcare because you don't you don't just have to continue to come into the office for us to assist you you also have access to a wider pool of talent because of how we choose now to um, hire and we value and care about our employees to the extent that they're available and oh by the way how about availability 
Right. We are available. We have staff now that can be there. You, you know, you, you have your Instacare and your ER. Well, some people just want to talk to that person at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning and, and, and just be reassured that everything's okay and they don't need to go into the ER, which many times they don't, but th- they should know when they need that. But that person that is like my son, if I woke up at three in the morning because my son is crying and complaining and saying, it's itching, dad, and it's going around, and what should I do? Well, if I can, re- if I can keep him calm and just take care of that in the comfort of his bed where he can continue to lay, and my healthcare provider is allowing me to instantly have that interaction with them because they have someone on call at 3 a.m. in the morning. Guess who I'm going to stay with? Probably forever, that healthcare organization. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I remember years ago, it was all about a nurse line. You could call into the nurse line, perhaps, depending on your plan, and get advice from the nurse. And now that's sort of evolved to this telehealth strategy to where, well, yeah, let's go ahead and have this call, but maybe I need to actually see this patient sooner and we can go ahead and do that. So it's been pretty exciting to see some of the advances. Well, I think we have covered a lot for our our listeners today. And I just want to thank you, Brian, for joining Chad and I on today's podcast. Um, Are there any other final comments before we close? Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. And remember also, you know, uh, I got to do my, my sales pitch here, right? You know, right. At healthcare compliance pros, we're completely aware that these concerns are, are, are concerns that you're now being forced in some cases to address and know that you don't have to address them alone. Um, we, we love and have loved working with several of our clients one-on-one or in larger uh, capacities, uh, such as our webinars that we were holding earlier in the year as uh, COVID had hit. Um, But please know that we're here. You don't have to address these alone. And um, good luck. (laughs) Well said. Well said. Well, thank you for listening to today's podcast from Compliance Solved. And we will talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to Compliance Solved, brought to you by Healthcare Compliance Pros. Are your compliance needs being met? Would you like a free compliance consultation? Do you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts? We would love to hear from you. Please contact us through email, info at hcp.md, by phone, 855-427- 0427 or visit our website at www.hcp.md.